Coming up, we talk about the game that topped in at number nine on our countdown of the best TCU football games of 2022. Plus, we'll talk about whatever the heck that was at TCU basketball in Norman on Saturday. It's all next on Lockdown Horn Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day. I'm Stephen Simcox. Thank you for joining me. Uh, sorry for my absence on Monday. I was camping with my family at spring break where I'm at. Not sure my DFW people and others that listen if your kids are off this week. Mine were. So uh, we took a little family trip, but we're back and we're rolling throughout the rest of the week. Uh, big week for TC basketball as they get ready for the Big 12 tournament. Men's and women's uh, both trying to get it done there in Kansas City. And TCU football. Spring practice will start soon, about two weeks. But in the meantime, I wanted to continue our countdown of the top 10 TCU football games of 2022. And at number nine, we're going to talk about the season opener against Colorado. And I remember there are few games that, as a TCU fan or someone who follows a team that I've experienced, that I had less of a feel for. Than this one, like I, I ultimately, like I thought TCU would win. I predict, I predicted TCU to win, not really because I knew what the team was going to do, just because I thought Colorado was awful, and that TCU's athletes <clears throat> would win out. But I remember, uh, you know, talking to Brian Howell, who covers covers Colorado, and I'm not like criticizing him for this, um, but I talked to him before the game. I talked to him on the podcast for the game. And he picked Colorado to win. And there was a general thought, I felt like, among people that followed Colorado closely. And some of this is, like, if you follow a team closely, like it or not, you kind of get biased to the storylines and the hype around what's happening there. But the thought, yeah, Colorado can make this a game. And I'll be honest, for the first half, it was a football game. And I remember watching Chandler Morris go out there, and the team was struggling. Defense got a big stop on fourth down um, on that first drive after Colorado had, you know, moved the ball into TCU territory and into the red zone. And the offense took over and immediately went three and out. And really, like, for the entirety of the first half, they could not get anything going on that side of the ball. You look at the stat lines for this football game, and TCU only attempted – um, 23 passes. Chandler Morris was 13 and 20 for 111 yards. And the kicker, which is the funny thing looking back at it now, was his average per completion was 5.6 yards. Like they weren't taking any deep shots. Everything was quick. It was, you know, kind of dink and dunk. Let's get our guys out in space. Let's try to get some plays. Um, so the offense was not functioning well in the first half. Darius Davis punt returned to the house. Gave them a 7-6 lead, which they took into halftime. And uh, CC was able to put their foot on the gas though in the second half and really with the run game, get things going. Morris goes down uh, with a knee injury after TCU scored a touchdown on their first drive of the second half. They get a stop. They get the ball back, get down to the red zone. He gets banged up. And then from, from there on, it was really just 
by running the football. As a team, they rushed for 275 yards. Um, Kendra Miller was actually the leading rusher with eight carries for 52 yards. But Dean Mercado had 49. Sam Jackson had 44. Imani Bailey had 42. Max Duggan had 41. I mean, you just go down the list. It was player after player um, that was just toting the rock and getting things done, churning out first downs on the ground. And Duggan only had three passing attempts. Um, He was two two for three for 27 yards uh, on the day, and that was it. And the story of that game, honestly, was Joe Gillespie's defense against what was honestly a – anemic Colorado offense just held serve all day long. I mean, gave up, you know, two touchdowns. One of them was in garbage time or excuse me, one touchdown. One of them was in the touchdown was in garbage time in the fourth quarter, but a field goal in the first quarter, a field goal in the second quarter. And that was it. It was the first time that we were introduced to Dominic Williams. Um, He had a sack. He had a really good game rushing the passer uh, D. Winters had five tackles. Uh, Mark Perry had four tackles. Johnny Hodges had four tackles. Everybody made plays, had a couple sacks. It was all around just a great effort by that TCU defense. And Colorado was shuttling quarterbacks back and forth. Uh, Brendan Lewis was a starter. And then JT Shroud ended up taking over. And they did that all year long. But it was the first win of the Sunny Dykes era. And it's funny to look back on it now because I did not – I didn't leave that game thinking, wow, TCU football – I mean, I thought they were heading in the right direction. I thought it was a good win. But I remember having concerns about the offense. I remember just being like, man, I know it's game one, but this did not look smooth. This did not look crisp. This is not what we were promised. And then the next week against Tarleton, they looked really good. They continued that against SMU a few weeks later, and and then once conference play started, the offense really took off in a big way. But um, it was on a Friday night. I remember going to a high school football game, coming back home and watching it, and after it was over thinking, well, they got it done. It was ugly, but it's a win, and those are the type of wins they're going to have to get to be bowl eligible. And that was really my thought process was you got to win games like this to get to six wins, which is a good goal for this team this year. And anything on top of that would be uh, would be gravy. And they obviously <laughs> exceeded expectations in a big way from there. But give me your thoughts in the YouTube comments. You can tweet at me. I'm at SimcockSteven on Twitter. What were your thoughts before that game, after that game, after the season opener against Colorado? <clears throat> and we can chat about that through the week. When we come back, uh, we'll do it. We'll talk about TZ basketball and whatever the heck they were trying to do. Um, on Saturday when they took on Oklahoma. Before we do that, though, I do want to talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is a great protein bar. It's a great option for you. Um, If you need a snack that's going to fill you up, if you're tired of just eating junk all the time that doesn't tie you over to the next meal or help you get through the day, Built Bar is a great option. Maybe you need something before you go work out that um, helps give you energy, helps give you strength. Built Bar is where you need to go. And one great thing about it is it tastes great too. It's real chocolate, real flavors. One of my favorites is the churro flavor. You can get it online at builtbar.com. You can get it at Sam's Club. Um, if you have a membership there, your local Sam's Club, try it out. Try to find Built Bar today. It's the best protein bar around. Um, I swear by it. I eat them for breakfast frequently, as I've told you before. 
Uh, I have them in my office if I need a snack during the day. Buildbar.com slash locked on to get 15% off your next order. Built Bar, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network. So I said this earlier, and I, I said this on Twitter, full disclosure. I was uh, I was out of pocket this weekend camping, and so I followed the TCU game on my phone, but I didn't really watch any of it. Um, and I came back on Monday, and I rewatched this basketball game, which was not a fun experience. And I know those of you that watched it live also didn't enjoy it. Uh, TCU falls to Oklahoma and the regular season finale, 74-60, to 60, and it was not that close. I mean, they, they never led. Um, they were down 19-2 to two at one point in the first half. They were down 34-12. to 12. Um, They cut it to 17. It was 38-21 at halftime. And it made a little bit of a push towards the end of the half. Had a chance to cut it down to 13. Emmanuel Miller missed uh, what appeared to be a pretty you know, simple layup, which was a theme of the day. And Oklahoma ends up scoring, and they take a 17-point lead into halftime. And, I mean, TCU, they made a few – there were a few times where they pushed, cut it to like 12, cut it to 13, with about seven minutes left. But overall, uh, just no answer for Oklahoma there and Norman. Sooners shot the ball really well. Um, had a great day shooting the basketball. Tanner Groves had 23 points. He was dominant. Um, you know, stats don't really tell the story of this game at all. Mike Miles had a good day scoring the basketball. He had 17 points, hit a few threes, but it was a disjointed effort, and it was just a low-effort, low-energy game. And it's been a baffling thing about this team all year long, uh, but it's been a theme, is that when they're on the road, they come out flat a lot of the time, and you just – like you never really know game to game what you're going to get from this crew. And – some of that can be attributed to injuries. And they were without Eddie Lampkin again on Saturday. It appears that he's dealing with a back issue now. Um, it's been a tough season for Eddie. He's been in and out of the lineup a ton. Hasn't really been right since he sprained his ankle against Kansas a few months ago, which has been a huge issue. They were without Mike for such a long stretch. But even before that, I mean, when they were on the road, they had some struggles. You know, they came out slow against Mississippi State before Mike banged up his knee and had to exit that game. And aside from, you know, blitzing Kansas and Allen Fieldhouse was a great moment. It was a great win. And before that, they went on the road and beat a really good Baylor team, even though Baylor wasn't playing well at the time. Um, sort of stole a game from the Moeco. But besides that, they have just not had great performances on the road in the Big 12. And it's frustrating, and it makes me pessimistic. I mean, it, the team has clear limitations. Um, they didn't really address those in the offseason. They just kind of decided to run it back in trust that another year with this group they were going to be better. And I think – I mean, they were right. Like, they ended up 9-9 nine and nine in Big 12 play. I feel like they could have finished with, you know, 11, maybe 12 wins if if Mike was healthy throughout the entirety of the season. And they certainly miss Eddie Lampkin, too. But bottom line is, I think this is a crew that if things break right, they can get to the second weekend, which would be a huge breakthrough for TCU basketball. And I think if you told people that before the season, they would have said, sign me up. Um, Even with a loss in the first round of the Big 12 tournament, which they're going to play Kansas State, by the way, on Thursday night. But even with a loss in the first round of the Big 12 tournament, I think at worst they will be a – 
um, a six seed going in. And so you'll have – you should be a favorite in round one. And in round two, um, I would think that there's a good chance that you're playing a team that is pretty equal to you on a, on a, on a talent level. Um, but, man, I mean, if, if, if you're not going to come out with effort and intensity and energy, then you're going to get bounced quickly. And I just don't – like, I don't know what, what to expect – from a game to game basis from this group. And the other thing is there's really only one way they can get it done on offense. And that's getting out in transition and scoring the half court offense is, uh, it's just not great. And that doesn't bode well for postseason play, but we'll see. I think there's an opportunity here in the big 12 tournament because I would imagine, you know, these top four teams, not that they're going to go out and lay down, but there's not a ton of incentive for them to, play three games in three days. So you get Kansas State, you'll most likely get Texas in the quarterfinals. And then if you win that game, you know, hey, you get, you go from there. The semifinals, excuse me. If you win that game, you go from there. Um, you do get a little bye here. You're, you're not in the 7 to 10 range. So you get a break before you have to play on Thursday. But um, just a really disappointing performance. I mean, OU is not a totally incapable team. They beat Alabama at home earlier this year. Like, they can do that. They can get hot, shoot the ball well. But it's just it's disappointing that week to week, day to day, you just don't really know what to expect from this TC basketball team and not their best effort in, uh, in Norman against the Sooners on Saturday. The women, they'll get Kansas. They finished 10th in the Big 12. They'll get Kansas, who they lost to in their season finale. Um, and that game will be Thursday night as well at 7.30. And so Reagan Peebley, uh, who will be stepping down at the end of the year, one last chance for her and the ladies to try to make a push in the postseason um, as they'll get Kansas there in that round one game. When we come back, we'll wrap things up. It's the Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day. Uh, before we do that, though, I do want to tell you about FanDuel. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Um, if you love sports and you feel like you know what you're doing, you feel like you know who's going to win these games, you're good at predictions, you're good at breaking things down, why not give FanDuel a try? They have a no-sweat-first-bet deal going on right now. If you go to fanduel.com slash locked on, where you can sign up and get up to $1,000 in bonus bets if you put as little as a $5 bet down. You can bet uh, money lines or a bunch of different prop bets you can do. Same game parlays. FanDuel, they're the official betting sponsor of the NBA. So TCU baseball, they're back in action tonight against UTA. Um, Frogs took two out of three at Minute Maid Park in uh, the Shriners Children's Classic tournament that went down over the weekend. Uh, beat Michigan on Friday by a score of six to nothing. Fell to Louisville three to two on Saturday, and then ended up taking down Rice on Sunday seven zip. Really impressive performance by the pitching staff again this weekend. Cam Brown was excellent on Sunday, seven shutout innings. He has been really good for this team. Ryan Vanderhei was also good on Saturday. Um, so if those two can continue to pitch well and be a good you know one two punch on the weekend, then you're going to be in a in a good position in a lot of these series. Cole Klecker actually got the start on Saturday, the freshman, and he uh, threw well. You know, Louisville roughed him up a little bit, but he was able to get through 
four innings and gave up three runs. And the bullpen took over after that and did a really nice job. So uh, back at it at 6 p.m. tonight against UT Arlington, who they played earlier this year and beat. So opportunity to keep that winning streak going. And then they'll play San Diego um, this weekend. They are now number 10 in the country in the D1 baseball rankings after the results um, from what went down over the weekend. Uh, Chase Hoover came in in relief in that game against Louisville and was super impressive. Four innings, no earned runs, two walks, one strikeout. Um, so he's another one of those new faces that's been fantastic for TCU early on. Seems like uh, Kirk is doing a great job in this kind of first recruiting cycle, finding guys who can make an immediate impact. Speaking of freshmen, Carson Bowen, he had a two-run homer against Louisville on Saturday. I think he's going to end up at some point being your everyday catcher. He's just – I mean, I think he's got to be in the lineup every day regardless of what's going on because he is just so good at the plate. Um, Anthony Silva went out with a hamstring injury on Friday. We'll see how long that lingers. Need him back at shortstop because you got to move Braden Taylor over. They've been uh, putting Brody Green at third base, Braden at shortstop, and so having to mix and match a little bit. But hopefully Silva is okay because he had had a great start to his freshman campaign. We'll have a recap tonight of the UTA game and more tomorrow in Lockdown Horn Frogs. I'm Stephen Simcox. Thank you for listening.